Welcome to Extra Innings, the Phillies podcast by the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Scott Lauber. And I'm Bob Brookover. And uh, we are Matt Breenless again this week. I uh, hope that everything's going well with Matt and his, uh, his new baby. And um, we asked the question last week, would, uh, would, um, when would the season begin and would Matt be able to join us for opening day? And uh, I think over the past few days, we've had a little bit more clarity to this in the sense that Major League Baseball put forth a 67-page manual of health and safety guidelines, protocols that, um, that might have to be followed if baseball is going to return this year. It was about as detailed of a document as you could possibly get. Uh, some are saying now that uh, maybe it was a little extreme, a little uh, too austere with some of the protocols that were put in place. Um, there, were, uh, there were a number of things in, in sort of going through it, Bob, that, that, that shocked me, um, uh, whether it was you know, discouraging players from taking showers at the ballpark after games uh, to some of the measures that were put in place on the road where uh, it's a whole lot more restrictive for teams than when they're at home. Was there anything for you that really jumped out when, um, when you began to see some of the details trickle out of, of what's in this plan? Well, first, I want to say that I got, I, got, I got more clarity about whether Breen will be there for opening day from, actually from Matt Breen today. Okay. Um, you know, and he says no because he's going to take all his vacation times soon as his babycation is up, he's going to take all his vacation time. Uh, so that will leave us to do the podcast and the news and the extra innings newsletters for the rest of the season. Uh, <laughs> so, so damn that Maxwell kid. Uh, um, but uh, from the more serious side of this detailed 67 pages of, protocol for what they can and can't do um much of it shocked me i mean and i just you know i i wonder how much they i I would love to be a fly on the wall in the room with the players union as they're saying uh really you want us to do that you want us to do that you want us to do that uh because there's a lot of them like you know just you know looking for your story that you wrote about it Let's go to saunas and hot tubs. Nope, can't do that. How much do the players need that just to keep their bodies going, you know, the training room? I, I talked to former Phillies clubhouse manager and traveling secretary, Frank Kopenbarger, this week. And Frank was talking about how, <coughs> excuse me, the trainer's room um, on a daily basis is like a barbershop on a Saturday. You got guys getting their hair cut. And guys waiting to get their, and lots of guys waiting to get their haircut. Well, that's what the trainers' rooms like. You got guys being worked on, and guys waiting to be worked on. And the other, you know, and to think that they're not going to be able to gather to get worked on to play the play a game that you know some people want to say, oh, baseball is not physical, but the, just the everydayness um, of it, the, the everydayness of it, the, the beating it takes on your body just to go stand in a. Just go stand, you know, I always tell people this, just go stand someplace, which is what these guys do every night in the heat of the summer. Just go stand in a place for three hours. You know, they do that every night, the ones who, who play every day. For them not to have, be able to have their bodies worked on, um, I don't know if they, you know, you can do it. I, I really don't know if you can do it. It's, you know, maybe you can because 
these guys do amazing things. I can remember talking to players from the eighties who marvel at modern day players. You know, it, it was a big deal playing without greenies as they, they called it back in the days, you know, playing, they would use the speed to keep themselves going every day. Um, and they called it playing naked when they didn't. You know, they would say, I don't know how anybody could play naked. Uh, and, but yeah, play, the, play, players have managed to do it. But, coffee, right? What's that? The, the stories about the leaded and unleaded coffee. Coffee, right, right. And, and, and players have managed to do it. I, you know, I'm sure some still try to get away with it, but, uh, you know, it's, or have found different ways to get themselves uh, the, the, the stimulant they need to get get playing it's you know it's why we've had Adderall cases and all that stuff over the years because this game is so hard to to play on a daily basis and it's so much about routine and so many of the routines are are being challenged here and what they they out uh outlined in this uh 67 page document yeah that was really the, the part that that stuck out to me and like you said, I know when you talk about this with 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 fans and with normal uh, people who are not around the game every day, they tend to roll their eyes. When you mention how uh, baseball players, more than even most other athletes, are creatures of habit, creatures of routine, and when you disrupt their routine, and people say, "Well, what's the big deal?" Like they learn to you know adapt, learn to deal with it. Well, when you do this thing every single day, maybe it's not the most physically demanding game when you compare it to football, let's say, but they play once a week in football and there's a reason they need their, they need the time for their bodies to recover. Well, there's a reason baseball players go through the things that they go through every day in the training room and whatnot. It's because they play every single day and they need their bodies to recover. So you're going to take away, you know, the, um, the, uh, the hot tub and you're going to take away the sauna and you're going to take away some of the other training methods that they need you're going to take away showering at the ballpark and have them what get on the, you know, I thought it was interesting in your story with Frank Kopenbarger, him saying like, so how's this going to work with doing the laundry, right? Like how do they get the, the jerseys back if they have to shower at their hotels? Um, you know, is it, you know, how's that going to all work? Um, there's just so much in this that's packed into these 67 pages that will take baseball away from what is normal. And we all know it's not going to come back in its normal form. It's going to take a different form. But some of these measures seem to me to be pretty radical. Um, Major League Baseball, I think, has stressed that this is a first draft of, this pro of these protocols, that they are certainly expecting uh, there to be some revisions made to this once the players go through it. I think the fact that it's now Thursday and this came out on Saturday uh, and we still haven't heard much from the players' side, tells you how much there is to go through um, and, and how much there is to sort of react to in all of this. But, you know, it's, it's pretty, um, it was pretty extreme, and it makes you wonder as you read through it and as you go through it whether it's even really possible. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, talking to Frank, Frank has his, his skeptical about a lot of it um, and just, you know, because and that's just from his end, the logistical part of you know also being a traveling secretary, the logistical part of what they're being asked to do. You know the the team buses. You know they I think there's typically two right now, a late one and an early one. They want six buses. Um, you know, so you're going to just have buses all all day and all night, 
and you know Frank talking we go back to the creatures of habit um he talked about how so many players don't even get on the team bus because you know there's there's I didn't even get into this in the story but there's peer pressure to be at the ballpark early um you know to be doing extra work at all the time um you know and he's he said he's had guys after games you know tell them he's told them hey the bus is coming in 30 seconds they get in the cab anyway you know, or they're yeah. just what's they're the just... famous the famous story about the 2009 World Series, right? Cliff Lee jumping in a cab to try to get to Yankee Stadium because he, he didn't want to go on the team bus. He sort of wanted to be on his own schedule that day before Game One, and he gets in traffic and almost misses. You know, right. like that's not going to be that's not going to be allowed. It seems at least under this plan, no Ubering, no taxiing. If you're on the road, the only acceptable way to get to the ballpark is on the team bus. If you're at home, the only acceptable way to get to the ballpark is in your car. Uh, in your car. Um, how is that enforceable, number one? Uh, if a guy wants to take an Uber, is there going to be some, uh, some official from MLB there, like, monitoring it and making sure he doesn't do that? And, and you know, so, so much of this, um, how is this going to be enforced and how is it going to be monitored? And it, it, it's not going to be, I think, is the answer. Because, and we shouldn't be shocked that it's not going to be because we just, just look at everyday society. Um, you know, you, you see on a, if you watch a newscast every night, you know, they're not, you know, they do in some cases, but in many cases you see people gathering without masks, not six feet apart. Um, you know, now you're going to ask baseball players not to, not to, uh, spit, you know, a, you know, it's, his, which is a reflex for a lot. Right. It's a reflex that's as old as the ball and bat itself. In baseball, uh, so you're going to ask him not to spit, but who's going to enforce it? Who's 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 going to enforce all this? You know, it's another thing Frank pointed out. He goes, you know, you're not allowed to have smokeless tobacco in your pocket anymore, but you still see that in the game. And umpires don't enforce because they want no parts of enforcing that. You know, and they and they shouldn't have any parts of enforcing that. That's not where why they're there. You know, so who's going to enforce all this? I don't know is the answer. Uh, you know, and. It's it's just a lot to get through. Um, I guess they're doing it in um, in in South Korea. I watched a little bit of a game the other day, um, and you know they're they're playing the games and they're two weeks in, I guess, uh, and still playing. Um, but you know, as we've discussed on this podcast and, and just between us before. You know, the, 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 big, the, the, the big question of all the questions becomes what happens when somebody gets it. And that's – and, you know, they say they can keep playing, and I say we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the one part of this plan that, um, you know, is sort of off the CDC guideline a little bit, where if someone tests positive, um, I think the recommendation, right, is a 14-day quarantine of that person and then – Ideally, you could then trace who that person's been in contact with. MLB is essentially saying that they don't believe it would be necessary to, A, quarantine the person for 14 days, or B, shut the league down, uh, that they feel like they can isolate and contain uh, because they think their testing is going to be such that it would, it, would, it would work. Now, a few weeks ago, I talked to um, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, who's been um, – on a lot of news programs and whatnot. He's a department uh, chair of, um, of a program at, at University of Pennsylvania. And he was saying that, you know, his, his opinion was that 
uh, baseball or any other sport would essentially have to do the, the Arizona biosphere plan in order to work, at least at the outset. Uh, quarantine everyone, uh, isolate everyone in one area and do it that way. And what's interesting to me is that was baseball's, I think, sort of first impulse in all of this. Uh, almost two months ago now when we began hearing about plans, that was the first plan we heard about was the Arizona plan, get all 30 teams out there, get them together, limit the travel, limit the contact. Um, players balked at that, uh, I think, understandably, because they didn't want to leave their families behind in the middle of a pandemic. So baseball adapted and adjusted and tried to figure out how to do other plans. And when I look at this, these protocols, um, it seems to me that they're doing um, – it's a hybrid of, of the two. They're, they're going to try to allow teams to play in their home cities because that will appease players who don't want to leave their, fans, uh, their families behind. But on the road, you are essentially going to be isolated or quarantined. That's what the plan calls They want guys essentially going from the ballpark to the hotel, from the hotel to the ballpark on a team bus or multiple team buses, staying in the hotels, being smart on the road in terms of where they go and what they do. There are much more stringent uh, uh, rules for road trips, uh, how they would travel, uh, the same flight crews on every flight. Um, so it seems like they want to do like the, the, as much isolation as they can on the road. And at home, you know, guys will be allowed to live at their homes and work in their, you know, work in their home ballparks. But, but it's a little bit less of a restricted thing. So to me, it's a hybrid thing. And I wonder whether they're trying to kind of, they're trying to kind of um, uh, contain on the road and, and ease up a little at home. And by that, appease, you know, some of what the players want and, and kind of come up with an environment that seems a little bit more um, – a little bit more free for the players and at the same time try to, you know, it seems like they're trying to serve two masters here is what I'm saying. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the thing and here is South Korea is kind of a model, but it's not really a great model for, for the U for, for the United States. Just, I mean, if you look at a map, South Korea extends from like, um, maybe just not even to Boston, just above New York, down to the tip of the, the Delmarva Peninsula. Right. Um, you know, so you're talking about this little area and it, it probably works better on the East Coast than when you start getting into the Midwest and the West Coast, uh, the mountain of travel and places you're going to have to go to. Uh, you know, they can probably, I, I, I assume they probably do do it all by train, the travel in South Korea, that they don't even ever have to get on an airplane. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just not a great example to, to compare those two. Um, and there's just, I've, you know, every day that goes by, I wonder if they're going to be able to do this. I really do. You I mentioned really do. Frank Kopenbarger and his skepticism from a logistical standpoint. I had a conversation, uh, the other day with Larry Boa and, you know, he said something that I thought was really interesting. This is a baseball lifer. It's someone who's been a player, a coach, a manager. Uh, he's done just about everything you can do in the game um, for a long time now. No one loves the game more than a guy like him. And he said, look, um, I wouldn't be angry if this thing gets canceled over just over um, over how challenging it is. And, and he mentioned, you know, and, and anyone who's been around the game kind of knows this. He said, you know how the flu can go through a clubhouse? 
you know, on Monday, a guy shows up, he has the flu, he gets sent home. And by Friday, 12 guys in the clubhouse have some form of the flu. And that's the flu, you know. And, and he was saying to me, like, you know, uh, what happens if one guy gets this? And I still think there are a lot of questions related to that on the player's side. I'm hearing a lot of that. Like, we're still not sure what happens when one guy gets it. Is their plan, um, is their plan good enough that they can isolate and trace and figure out how to contain it once it's, once it's out in the community of players. And I think as much as the money, and the money is going to be a huge issue that both sides are starting to dig in on here, as much as the money, I think the players have a real still public health concern. And this 67-page protocol, while it's detailed and thorough and, as I said, um, kind, of, kind of daunting to go through, I think it also just highlights – the, the, the huge, huge challenge they have here in trying to pull this thing off. If you need 67 pages to go through protocols of how you're going to change the game to make it safe, good luck getting the players to feel safe. And, all to, and getting, getting them all to agree to it. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of people you're asking to, to get to agree on, on this. Um, and, you know, what do you do if they don't agree to it? You know, there's, there's, oh gosh, there's just so many things. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if, I w- wonder, you know, we saw when it this started, what the, the, the change became, everything changed when Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz tested positive and then two others from his team did, or one other, I forget what, one other tour. But the NBA shut down. And once right. the NBA shut down, it just, was a wildfire of cancellations. Um, I wonder if it'll work in reverse that way at all. If, um, you know, if one goes back, we're, you know, we've seen a little bit NASCAR had a race last week and horse racing's coming back, but they're, they're different animals. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, the, you know, and golf, you know, we saw that, that little bit of when we're seeing another one this week. Um, but I think you're going to have to see one of these leagues go back before, you know, the, the others follow suit. Um, and I just wonder if baseball might have, it does have more obstacles than the others because be, and because of the, the financial part too has to be worked out. Whereas, uh, you know, the other sports have to make out, figure out the finances, but it's easier for them because most of their, the NHL and the NBA, most of their seasons had already been played. So you don't have as much to, to figure out in that regard. Um, you know, so you, you would have to figure out the playoff pots involved, but you, you'll have to pick up playoff formats. Not that it's easy. It wouldn't be easy for the NBA or the NHL to do it, but. I just think there are more obstacles in baseball than any other any of the other sports right now. Yeah, I mean, for one thing, baseball's got to play a season to get to the playoffs, which is the big money bonanza, uh, TV bonanza at the end of the rainbow. Um, the NBA and the NHL could, in theory, say, all right, season over, right? Like, they've played three quarters of their season, maybe a little bit more of that. Um, season over, and playoffs are going to start right now with standings that were uh, – that were with, with uh, standings that were that that were set at on March 12th when we called the whole thing off and we've had a representative we played 70 plus games of a season we're ready to go into the playoffs baseball's got to get there I mean unless you had some kind of crazy 
like draft style tournament to determine a playoffs, you know, like that would be, that's sort of like DEFCON five, right. For baseball, like, you know, or whatever the highest DEFCON is, you know, we can't have a season, but we want to have a tournament. So here we go. We're going to have this, this thing and figure out how to do it. And that'll be the ultimate weird 2020 postseason. You got to have a season to get to the postseason, and baseball hasn't had that yet. So they've got to get through a certain amount of games here in order to get to that big money bonanza at the end. And I don't know if they're going to do it. Um, you know, the, we're focused mostly on a lot of the protocols here, like um, how are they going to keep players safe and healthy? And that's the number one thing. But if the game comes back, there are going to be changes to the game within, you know, changes to baseball within the structure of how the game is played uh, from expanded rosters to uh, all sorts of other things uh, that then get attached to that and expanded playoffs, the designated hitter, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah. The universal DH. And uh, then if you're going to expand rosters, how do you determine who's active on a nightly basis? A lot of these things still have to be worked through, but I think one thing we do know is that we're going to have rosters that are in the, you know, 28 to 30 man range active rosters and then taxi squads that bring everything up to 50. And it makes you start to think what would a 50 man Phillies spring training roster look like? And, and how would they go about figuring out which 50, how would they go about figuring out of those 50, who are the guys that are really in their top 30? Um, I think we've both done a little bit of thinking on this. Um, You know, how, how do you envision a 50-man Phillies roster looking? <laughs> Large. <laughs> and, and just to go just to go circle back for one second, uh, and Frank Kopenbarger talked about too, that too. He said, last time I counted, we only have 44 lockers, and they're not six feet apart. So there's another logistical nightmare for Phil and, Sheridan and the, the current clubhouse manager. Okay, how do I – how do I make this work? <laughs> and it should be and it should be said here, and I think Frank did say this in your story that um, forty four is a large number. I mean, we've all been in clubhouses in September when teams are allowed to expand to forty players, where they have those makeshift like high school style lockers in the middle of the room because they don't have enough around around the, right. on the wall. So the Phillies don't have to do that at Citizens Bank Park, but in a lot of places they go on the road in September, they have those makeshift lockers in the middle of the room. Oh, yeah. Not just Fenway Park and Wrigley Field, which are ancient uh, ballparks and have ancient uh, – even their redone clubhouses are still fairly fairly limited in their space. Well, even the Phillies a visiting clubhouse would have, have a hard time – the yeah. visiting clubhouse would have a hard time accommodating – I mean, I that you know, that, I guess we don't know the answer to that. I, I assume that all fifty players wouldn't travel. You know, many of them would be left behind, and I'm sure would have to somebody would conduct workouts for them at at Citizens Bank Park while the other teams are uh, while the rest of the team is away. Um, which yeah, is, I think they would travel. They would travel. You know, thirty. Right. Um, maybe a few extras, a few stragglers. You know, maybe maybe that taxi squad has a pecking order. Because, you know, if, again, if you're, if you're on the road and you've got, you know, a 30-man roster and you've traveled 30 guys and somebody gets hurt in the first game of the series, are you going to be able to call it, like, logistically, are you going to be able to get somebody there right. in time from your taxi squad? So, uh, and still follow the proper travel protocols that would ensure the safety of everyone. Like, a guy could get on a, on a, on a commercial airplane, 
and go, but then does he have to get quarantined for, you know, so right. it's all a mess. But, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think you'd travel. You certainly wouldn't travel all 50 guys. So, so with, with that in mind, I think I can give you, I don't know, at least 25 guys on the roster. I'm just going to say 25 because that's the old number, and I'm old school, and I like to stick with 25. <laughs> I think I can give you 25 guys right off the top who, could, who would be on, our, on the Phillies roster. So you ready? Uh, hit me. All right. You got Kingery, Hoskins, D.D. Gregorius, Gene Segura, Roman Quinn, J.T. Romuto, Adam Hazley, Jay Bruce, Bryce Harper, Andrew Knapp, Andrew McCutcheon. That's 11 right there, right? I'm going to – That's gonna, 11. That's, that's 11. And I'm going to put Alec Bohm and Nick Williams on there. I'm not – don't feel that strong about Nick Williams. Um, no Kyle Garlic from you? Well, I'm going to get to Kyle Garlick in a minute. Uh, so that's 13 right there, all right? Walker, no Logan Forsythe. So you're not, well, 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 not dealing with Don I'm, co- I'm coming back to them. Okay. All right? That's 13 guys right there. So now we got Zach Wheeler, uh, Jake Arietta. We're going to the pitching side. Wheeler, Arietta, uh, Juarez, or Ranger Suarez, Aaron Nola, um, Vince Velasquez, Nick Pavetta, uh, Jose Alvarez, Hector Naris, Zach Eflin, Adam Morgan. I'm going uh, uh, Liriano, Francisco Liriano. I'm going to have him on the team. And Spencer Howard, I'm going to say, is going to be here too, which takes us to 25, all right? Okay. Did you have, um, did you have Nick Pavetta in there? I did say Pavetta, yes. Okay, okay. So that puts us at 25, Okay. And then you have a whole bunch of guys like the the, the Drew Storens from a pitching standpoint. Uh, you, you have to decide um, what you want that 25 – or you have to decide what to re- you want the rest of the 50 to look like. There's going to be a bunch of guys pitching-wise, like, you know, Cole Irvin, uh, a, uh, Austin uh, Davis – they're they're going to be guys on the fifty. Then you got Addison Russ, uh, Kyle Doey, Connor Brog. Brog. I'm assuming guys like that, um, Damon Jones. That you're going to want them. Uh, anybody who's on your forty, you're going to want to be part of your your, that's your, your taxi squad. That's where I right? jump in. So I'm wondering whether you know whether you start with your forty man roster as a base. Right. Then you tack on ten guys. So right. guys, that, you, that that's what I, I think. That's what we're. But you got. But go you know, if you look at the Phillies' forty-man roster, um, first of all, you might have to subtract. You know, David Robertson. You might have. You might have to subtract Sir Anthony Dominguez because they might not be healthy to play. I, mean, I didn't even. I didn't even look at them. Yeah. Robertson, I, in a in a normal year, probably wouldn't have been ready until. Uh, you know, end of August, early September at the at the earliest. And if Dominguez winds up needing Tommy John surgery, you know he's he's scratched completely. Um, but then you know you look you look and you go a little deeper, and there are guys on the forty man roster who probably were not going to contribute Make, year at the big league level, no matter. Right. So, like, is is Christopher Sanchez, who's a, a promising arm. Um, who, who they like, who they have to protect on the 40-man for various reasons. Was he going to pitch for them this year? Like, how many injuries would they have needed on their pitching staff for him to make to, to be in the big leagues this year? Um, 
you know, uh, Adonis Medina, maybe a little less so, but, you know, it felt like he was a little, still a little far away. Um, but he had to be protected on the 40-man roster. Sure. So, you know, you wonder whether there are going to have to be some deletions off of that, whether they would carry those guys anyway and just consider them part of the taxi squad the, rather than the, part the, of the... the... The question becomes, can you add and subtract uh, to your taxi squad as you as you go along too, which I imagine you're, you're going to be able to. And can you add and subtract from your... So, let, so like, like, you know, I would imagine the Phillies would like to get... You know, like you said, Liriano, um, probably Walker, probably Forsyth, probably Alec Bohm, and probably Spencer Howard. I would think that they would like those guys to play for them on an expanded roster. Now, do they need to be added to the forty man in order to be active in the big leagues? I would, I would think the answer to that would be yes. So then you're going to have uh, to make some forty man moves, probably. Right, um, but but. Um... Yeah, it's a great question, though, because maybe not. Maybe because, you know, maybe you have to have a 50-man uh, roster for the um, – I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe they just say, you know what, for the rest of this season, you have to have a 50-man roster, and then we'll allow you to add and subtract from there. Um, so basically the 40-man roster becomes a 50-man roster, and then – Right. And as long as you're on the 50-man roster – you're eligible you to play in the big leagues. And then once, once roster sizes go back to normal, you got to shave 10 guys off and it goes back to a 40 man roster. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I got to think that that's the way it's going to work. Cause you're going to, you're going to want guys on this 50 man roster, like the, the um, Neil Walker's and uh, Kyle Garlic's and the Logan Forsyth's, you know, at least. And Alex at least Spencer Howard. I mean, I think we all agree that, in a season like this, shorter season, bigger roster, those guys will play. Right. But Bowman Howard, I, yes, I, th- I would say are no-brainers on that. But then I'm saying, like, did the vet, some of those veteran arms, relievers, uh, and veteran uh, bench players, or, you know, you need to have them. Uh, I don't know how, how many you end up having on there. Is, is, Moniak is now on the 40-man, right? He uh, is not. He is not. Okay. So you would have to decide, you know, somebody like that, do you want him on your 50 man? And you probably do because you probably want him getting some being around and, and whatever they're doing on the, on those days when they're not, you know, uh, playing games, but at least, at least you're getting him to, to you're develop, you're getting a chance to still develop him. So they had, I think when spring training got shut down, they had, I don't have the exact number in front of me, 54 sounds right to me, players left in camp. So they could essentially, they could, and I think that that included Robertson and Dominguez. So they could essentially just bring back everybody who was still left in camp at the end, less two or three is what they could conceivably do. They could conceivably say those are our 50 players and you know i mean so so it stinks then if you're like bryson stott and you're a top prospect in the minor leagues and you're just not yeah oh there's a lot of those guys yes yeah yeah that that's i mean the top pro like you know obviously sure most of the guys in the minor leagues are not you know gonna play in the big leagues but you know so your top prospects who are just not going to be part of that 50 right and you're i mean you're probably 
you're probably going to keep two catchers beyond your two catchers. Yeah, so I think David um, Grillon is on the team, and you know maybe Betancourt, maybe Betancourt. Um, um, but there's there's a lot of decisions like that to be made when you're talking about the younger guys as opposed to you know how deep do you want to go with your veteran bench guys? Uh, how many of them do you think you need for the course of a half season? Um, you know, that becomes a difficult question to answer. Let's just say this might have been the right year for the Phillies to bring almost 80 guys to. to... <laughs> they, they certainly got a look at enough. To... You know, and I didn't get to write a feature on each and every one of them yet. So, <laughs> hey, you know what? You just gave me an idea that gets us through 50 more days. <laughs> we might need it. We might need it. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it, you know, this sort of roster discussion and, and how they might do it and how much thought gets put into it. Like I said, I wonder if you just bring back everybody who was left in camp. And then the real decision-making is who are going to be, like, the, the active 30 and who's on the taxi squad. And that's where it gets really interesting. This seems like a good jumping-off point. And I might go jump off someplace. Let's I don't go know. jump off. What? I, I, I – I, I, hopefully I'm not going to jump off anything other than this conversation. But if you don't hear from me next week, you know, I jumped off something else. Let's hope. Not. <laughs> All right. For, for Bob Brookover, I'm Scott Lauber. This has been Extra Innings, the Phillies podcast and Philadelphia Inquirer. Check out our work at Inquirer.com and uh, in the pages of the Philadelphia Inquirer. And we'll talk to you next week.